Welcome everyone to episode 65 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. I've got two special guests for you this week, Bryce Long and Paul McCullough. They are both with O2X. O2X works on the physical and mental training for our first responders. And uh, this episode, they just kind of go into the background, how they started and, and what they're up to and how they continue to evolve and assist our first responders. So without further ado, let's bring in Paul and Bryce. All right, welcome everyone to this week's episode of the 25 Live. I've got two special guests with me this week. We've got Bryce Long and Paul McCullough. Did I say it right? Yeah. McCullough, yes, from O2X. So first of all, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Where are you guys actually at today? Uh, we're calling you from Fort Worth, Texas today. We're down here um, working with the Fort Worth Fire Department. So we've got some meetings with their leadership. And um, yeah, a couple days in Fort Worth this week. It's pretty down in Texas. That's nice. Good deal. Where are you guys usually from? So we're based out of... Uh, just south of Boston, about 20 miles or so south of the city. Uh, town's called Situate. That's where the office is uh, is headquartered. Um, but most of our uh, our work is really uh, spread out across the country. Uh, ton up in New England, uh, clearly. Mid-Atlantic's probably where the most of the stuff uh, we do is. And then Florida, Texas, a little bit in the Midwest, and we're sort of working our way out, uh, out west right now. Perfect. Before we go into what everything you guys are actually doing let's actually just kind of jump back in time and and figure out how we got there so if you don't mind i don't care which one of you kind of starts maybe it makes more sense for paul for you to start talk about how o2x came to be yeah sure uh so we put the company together end of 2013 really about 2014 um I was a Navy SEAL for a little over 11 years, uh, got out end of 2012, uh, took a job in the private sector for about a year, um, and then clearly, you know, pretty quickly realized I wanted to focus on something I was a little bit more passionate about and, uh, and really wanted to build something. And um, luckily enough, was, uh, was able to uh, partner up with one of the guys that I had served with really my entire time uh, in the teams. Uh, his name is Adam LaRue. He's one of the other founders. Um, and then there's another SEAL as well, uh, Gabriel Gomez, uh, who happened to live in the area that we put the company. So all, all, uh, all of us got together um, around the 2013 timeframe. Obviously, Adam and I had a relationship uh, well before that. And uh, we had met Gabriel uh, right when we got out just because he lived in the area. And um, put together a plan of, of, of doing something sort of special uh, that we wanted to be focused on. It was heavily focused on human performance and uh, built the team and, and took off to the races. And then Bryce met us. Um, it's been about two, three. Yeah, just over three years now, three years and, and another quarter, maybe. Um, so we can, I guess we'll get into my role and in, in some of the projects that I'm tackling at O2X as we continue our discussion. But if, if we're focusing backward for the moment. Um, immediately before I joined O2X, I was a firefighter in Stafford, Virginia, which is a DC suburb. It's kind of on Interstate 95 in between Quantico and Fredericksburg, just uh, I consider it one of the Northern Virginia departments that, that work together in and around the nation's capital. Um, and my introduction to uh, actually Paul's partner, Adam, came first through Bobby Halton, who's, uh, as, as you know, is 
head of fire engineering and FDIC. And I was a uh, FDIC instructor at the time. And Bobby called me one day and said, Hey, Bryce, I got these guys that you should talk to. Um, they're, you guys are kind of similar in your mindset. And I think you'd get along. And I, I ended up having a conversation with Adam. And I think what he was doing, looking back, was probably trying to uh, get me to bring O2X to Stafford. But uh, we had such a great, great chat. And I kind of sent in my resume along and said, hey, I don't, I don't know if you guys are looking to expand the team, but um, I really am interested in what you're doing. Because at the time, my role with the department was focusing on recruit academy training. Um, I was assigned to training full time, doing field training and the recruit stuff. And I had a heavy interest in the conditioning side of the house. I was a certified strength and conditioning specialist and building programs and shaping the wellness portion of my department was becoming increasingly um, in increasing. It was my focus primarily, right? So what O2X did really aligned with that. And, um, and I guess the rest, as they say, is history. You know, I joined, joined O2X after that. And about a month later, my wife and I lived in the Boston area and um, we've been there ever since. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear you don't hear very often when uh, when when you, when you can steal someone out of the fire service. Probably them. Probably. I mean, yeah. Year. How many how many years did you already have in the fire service at that time? Yeah, I was at it was about eight. I um, volunteered in uh, in Loudoun County for a few years and then joined Stafford full time. I lucked out, man. I know a lot of people um, try for a while. I got picked up pretty quickly with the first department where I applied full time. I was working in DC at the time. I was, I was actually working for Donald Rumsfeld um, in his DC office. And that was an incredible experience for a young person to have. But um, I started volunteering on the side and really found myself spending a lot of my free time at the firehouse, a lot of my working time, wish I was at the firehouse. And uh, I put in a, an application and, and got picked up and, um, and loved every minute of it. It was definitely a a difficult transition, you know, moving away from something that you love like that. And I, I miss the guys, I miss the calls, I miss the, I miss it a lot, but I'm fortunate now and in, in my role at O2X that I get to still be in, in touch with the space and still, you know, see people and, and hang out with firefighters and, and get to, I don't know, I see what we do now as, as really a force multiplier, you know, instead of having impact in one small portion of one department, we're, we're helping large departments and small departments nationwide, which then are able to help more people. And, you know, that, that piece of what we do is really, really valuable to me and has made that transition, um, transition a good one. Nice. Good deal. So, I mean, Paul, you were on the, you know, ground floor of this. What floor would you have been on? Cause right now you guys are what 150 employees plus. Yeah. So we have a really large contract base, I guess you could say. Um, so, you know, full-time people are, when I say full-time, consider those like HQ folks, Yeah. Right? Um, we, we definitely have a decentralized model. So we have, you know, about 20 or so kind of Bryce Long, Paul McCullough folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do have over 200 uh, subject matter experts on, on our team. Uh, 200, 200 pieces to the, to the team. Yeah, easy. That's yeah, probably, probably closer to 250 mark at this, at this point. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a growing network where, you know, we're, we're pretty big on, believe it or not, we, we thought about this a bunch of like, what was the best way to structure a, a format that would, you know, provide the most impact to, you know, a fire department, like where, where Bryce was, for example. And, 
you know, one of the things that we just started seeing over time was a little bit of the street cred, right? So often, believe it or not, like when you can take some of these subject matter experts and clearly there's a, you know, a, a large process to be, to be part of the team and, and, uh, you know, and present on O2X's behalf and go through all of our vetting and all that stuff. But all that, when, when all that's done, you know, there is tons of credibility where let's just say in this stance, uh, it's, it's firefighters. They love when it's like, Hey, introducing, here's a doctor in sleep that's come out of Naval special warfare and done sleep studies for the last 20 years, or here's a strength and conditioning coach that trains Olympic athletes or, you know, whatever, here's a, you know, behavioral health person that's worked with Newtown or Columbine or 9-11 or, you know, tragedies in the, you know, in the spec ops unit. So when you bring those folks, uh, you know, in front of firefighters, for example, uh, it's kind of the combination with understanding the O2X methodology, uh, you know, the audience of speaking to tactical athletes is huge and having some cultural competence there. But then, let's be honest, these, these folks that you're putting these subject matter experts in front of, you know, they're, they're pretty critical, right? And they want to know, okay, you're going to come talk to me about, you know, mindfulness or behavioral health or sleep. Who, who are you? What gives you the, what gives you the, the permission to do that? Is it just, are we just grabbing some doctor, some PhD that studied it? No, it's like, we want to talk, we want people that have relevant experience and, uh, and are well-versed in our methodology. So that that's worked out well for us. I don't, I don't see that really changing clearly, um, you know, as a, as a growing company, there's, there's, there's probably a million ways to skin the cat, but we find that this is probably the most productive and most well-received from the tactical athletes that we deal with. You've seen it. I'm sure there's, there's a credibility aspect and just the, an element of bringing the absolute best person to cover a specific topic in front of their audience because you get these people that are fatigued by having the same people do all the training like i've been in that seat i feel training and same guys see every month and they're like oh cool bryce is here he's an expert on ladders last month he's going to teach us nozzle forward this month oh next week what's he covering like health and fitness stuff it's the same same um same person every time so you get new faces and and it's just a, a benefit that those new faces come with incredible credentials and are the the pinnacle of their field and, and you get buy-in pretty quickly because as Paul mentioned, the firemen are a tough crowd. You know, you walk into a room and they're, who are you and why are you talking to me? And why do you think you know more than I do? And it's great. It's, it, it's one of the you know more redeeming qualities of the fire service is that skepticism and that confidence, but it, it can make uh, the training environment a little overbearing for, uh, for some folks. And I think we've mastered that pretty well. Paul is a really good actually example about SMEs from doing your all's training from the SEAL teams that. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's just two, two different schools of thought from, from my background. We had um, the first half of my career, I was at a, you know, East coast teams. And one of the things that people talk or refer to a lot about is called uh, we call the trade at, which is just the training department. It's no different actually than, than, than you're well aware of. Right. So trade at, you know, Paul does a few platoons, a couple of rotations under, you know, under, under my belt. And then, you know, I get thrown into a, uh, you know, a, a training position, um, whether, you know, in, in the SEAL team side of the house, that could be land warfare, that could be winter warfare, that could be air operations, that could be maritime ops, whatever it is. Right. And so you might get thrown into trade at, and you do that for a couple of years and SEAL platoons come through and, 
you know, Paul gets thrown over to Tradet and, you know, I'm the subject matter expert in air ops and I'm going over air operation stuff as the platoon filters through. And I do that for maybe two years and then I go back to a unit and I am now going through training or whatever. So that there's that concept that I think police and uh, fire very well aware of, right? Like, boom, I went to the training department for X amount of years and then I come back. Um, you know, the unit that I was at later and tried out for just did it a little bit differently. And I, I think there's a lot of, you know, respect when it comes to, you know, what do we, what is the department really good at? Right. And, and there are things in the fire service, for example, I know we're talking about fire a lot here, but there are things in the, in the fire service, which clearly firefighters might do better than anyone. And maybe, and maybe there is no outside person that could uh, explain uh, a better way to uh, whatever attack a roof or whatever, whatever it is uh, you are all, all working on. But for us, we looked at stuff of like, what is, you know, what are, what are mission type, you know, things that are, you know, so strategic and so specific to us that nobody in the world could teach us better. And those are the things that we housed internally, but all the other things that were maybe just outside of the box, take it even shooting, right? Shooting, uh, take it skydiving, um, breaching, climbing, um, you know, underwater type stuff, instead of, you know, having Paul with it, you know, a couple hundred skydives teach other people air operations. Why not learn from a Red Bull skydiver with 30,000 jumps? Why not go, you know, learn climbing from, you know, some guy with dreads down to his lower back and all he's done is climbed his whole life. He's probably a better climber or civilian shooters that are probably better. Now, could you look at the tactics of what they're doing and say, yeah, that might not exactly apply to how we do it. Like when the guy has got Velcro mags on his chest and you're like, that was where clearly fall off in <laughs> combat or his trigger. So modified that, you know, you're going to have a accidental discharge as soon as you grab your gun, of course. Right. But the reality is, is that we found things that we were really good at that we would train internally and then anything on the outside we would bring in true subject matter experts that dedicated their entire life to that very specific field. And that worked really well for us. And we've taken that same methodology um, at O2X and, the, and, and that's how we built the program. And I, and I could tell you, you know, on the firefighter example, when you're talking about human performance specific stuff, I could tell you everything that O2X is doing is on that outside edge. You would not believe how many departments nationwide, this is a, this is on law enforcement. This is on military too, really across the board. You talk to a guy that's been on the been on the job or a girl that's been on the job for 30 years and ask him, you know, how many uh, mindfulness courses have they been through? How, what, you know, how, how, what have they gone through on sleep hygiene? What have they gone through on stress mitigation? How many performance nutrition classes have they gone to? How many uh, strength and conditioning classes have they gone to? And, uh, and the answer is probably, probably none. So meanwhile, you see, you know, the cardiac events shooting through the roof, leading cause of firefighter death, cancer through the roof, um, you know, the substance abuse, the suicides, uh, all the stats, but yet they don't handle it uh, on a regular basis internally. And if they do handle it internally, oftentimes it's looked at as maybe an eye roll or to Bryce's example, oh, it's Joe Schmo teaching this course again that went down to the, uh, you know, the training cadre for, for two years or whatever. And now all of a sudden they're the subject matter expert in XYZ. So 
I think that that methodology is is kind of is 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 another reason why we've talked about bringing those SMEs from uh, from across the country that are very specific in their fields and um in uh you know it's 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 been awesome. So let me ask you about these SMEs. You've got just a great collection of the who's who. I mean, really, the best of the best in the industry in in all their respected industries. But when you're talking to a fire department and they're saying, uh, you know, well, what, what do you offer? I mean, are you guys basically giving them almost like a menu saying, well, what do you want? Do you want workout stuff? Do you want nutrition stuff? Do you want sleep stuff? Do you want behavioral health stuff? I mean, cause there's just so on and so on mm-hmm. all these different options that you guys now have. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It, so the short answer is, yeah, it's absolutely customized per department. Used it, it, it uh, you know, five years ago, it, it really wasn't, you know, five or six years ago was, you know, we went on this rant uh, on the trainer, train the trainer concept. I could talk about this for hours and I you know, won't waste your time, but I'll just tell you that, you know, for the fire department example, the train the trainer concept for human performance is a, is a failed model across the board. Uh, I'll go to I'll go to the mat and argue with any fire chief that says different um, for that exact example that I was talking to you about before, right? These people aren't going through this stuff on a regular basis. They're on shift work. You could train up. Let's say you have a 300 person department. You train up five folks. Do you are these people really running around going house to house training these people up? They're on different shift work. They're on, you know, it's 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 almost an impossible task. Do I think you should still have those folks on on staff? Absolutely, I do, and I think you should arm them with as much tools and resources that you can. But the reality is, the winning solution is you need ongoing training education for the masses. I don't care about the our, our like. Trust me, our courses are have more certifications than people need in all reality it's CAPSI, you know ace uh, nsca college accredited we have all that stuff but that's not really we do that more to provide legitimacy for the course of instruction we have uh, our real goal is to, how do we get as much training and education as we can to the masses on on an ongoing basis and then what what can we provide them after we leave the room so that it doesn't become a one and done so it doesn't become some great motivational speech and then and then we're gone um you know, when we, we, and we learned that over time, you know, we thought, you know, we built this, this workshop, this, we had like a four or five day curriculum that was very well received and we were hitting repeat on for it for a year or two. Um, but then I got to go back to the fire chief and I, and I got to say, hey, hey, what, what impact is, is happening here? You know, what, what changes are we seeing at the department? And when we're running regional workshops in that exact example, if you have a department that's got hundreds of members and they put three of them through your program in, let's just say Alexandria, right? Where around where Bryce was and we fill it with 15 other departments and they sent three members to the program and then they expected to see some giant ROI. It's like, well, you have 300 firefighters and you put three of them through our, our workshop. What did you What did you think was gonna happen, right? So I think there needs to just be a level of, like I get it. I know budgets are tough and I know, you know, I, I know it's a, I'm not expecting any department to say O2X is more important than anything else they're doing. Although I do really believe in investing in your people. Um, and I think that you'll get as, as much out of it as you put into it. Right. And so what we do now, I would say is very much customized, whether it's a half day curriculum, that's running very frequently and we're filtering people in 
while they're on shift to multi-day workshops. Um, we do a lot of screenings and assessments. We have a thing called a readiness assessment that has everything from our, you know, our full eat, sweat, thrive methodology incorporated into it. So, you know, plans on, okay, if you need to lose weight, what do you do? If you need to maintain weight, you, need, you know, you need to gain weight, um, you know, custom, custom prepare, you know, like guys have issues or girls have issues with their shoulders or back or their knee or their hip or their core, um, or, you know, body composition, are, are you over, are you overweight? You need to, you need to be on a plan that, um, maybe is going to push a little bit more aerobic capacity and burning more calories and, and then the thrive component is everything neck up. So how well are members sleeping? How stressed are they? Uh, you know, can, can, we, uh, can, we, can we get into some of this mindfulness stuff? So we do a lot of assessments and we use a lot of that data to further customize programs we do with departments. Um, you know, we, have a, we, just, we just released our, uh, our tactical athlete. It's, it's called Tactical Performance uh, Mobile App. Forever, we had a thing called a Tactical um, Athlete Portal. And, uh, and it's been well, well received. And the cool part about that, it has full, obviously our, our full methodology on it and tons and tons of training plans from strength and conditioning plans and nutrition stuff to mental performance plans. But it also has access to all of those subject matter experts that I was talking to you about. So um, when we partner with a department, people can log on to those uh, virtual platforms. They can kind of get into our Netflix of human performance, but then they can also have this ask an expert feature uh, which is uh, widely, um, you know, well-received, which is pretty great. Um, and then, you know, the biggest thing that I'd say we're doing right, right now over the last two years that seems to be maybe the most well-received is actually placing uh, full-time folks on site. And uh, so to a little bit more clarify the question of what are we doing from the menu, ideally we're doing everything. Ideally it's a complete approach and, the extent of what everything means really depends on the department. Um, so if you think about it from, you know, a, uh, you know, a flow chart perspective, highest and best use, we, we contract an O2X employee that's full-time on site at any given unit. Uh, that person helps further customize training and education programs where we can bring our experts in and, and, and best put those programs together for how, however the department uh, sees, sees fit. Uh, we'll do some type of screening and assessments on a, on a regular basis at, at a minimum annually for these departments. And then we're giving everybody all the virtual resources through there. So it's sort of this one-stop shop of human performance where everything they're getting from the tech side to the uh, in-person deliverable to the person that we have on site, um, it is all it's all tied together and what's what's really cool is that if you take i don't know let's say where bryce was if you put one of our folks on site and let's say they're a pt or an at let's just say they're an athletic trainer the the coolest part is is they might be just an athletic trainer from that background but imagine having an athletic trainer that again has all the access and uh and and the capabilities from a full team behind it so that that AT now has access to sleep experts and nutritionists and PTs and, oh man, someone just came in and even though I'm an AT, I'm not a nutritionist, but they want meal plans. Well, great. I get this, I get this resource. I'm connected with this team and, and, and the methodology. I mean, messaging is a big part as you, as you're well aware, right? Like, you know, we see this a lot with military units. You can't just have like the next good idea and then try to chase it. 
um, it needs to be, you know, well communicated, well put together. And it's it, the other the other fact is it's not a, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a problem that gets fixed overnight. This is something that, you know, a unit if they really care about their people and they want to invest in it, um, this is going to take it, it will take years to see the impact. I'm I'm just convinced that that's a, it's going to be a great impact and uh, and definitely a battle worth, you know, worth fighting. I love so much of that. <laughs> okay. I, and I really I really do I'm not just saying that because I I think you know because I go and I work with departments everywhere too and uh you know I spend my time I get to know them I, I go I do a deep dive on all their cancer stuff and I train them up and I set them up for success but, but then I leave then mm-hmm. yeah. I'm then I'm gone and I I always worry and you know are they going to follow through? I, you know, I set them up, I gave them the guide, I gave them the plan, but are they going to follow through with that stuff? And then, you know, a new chief comes in or whatever else happens or budget cuts. And more often than not, it doesn't work out like I would hope it would. So you've, it seemed like you've been able to solve a lot of those problems and have some continuity in inside of your program. Like it, it continues, especially if you have, one of your members that are that are actually there yeah. yeah well the demands you know as well as anyone the demands of the modern fire service are just extraordinary right now and it continues to get more complex and more complicated it seems like every day the the, the calls for service that the fire department's now responsible for mitigating it's just it's not fires anymore it's not fires and sick people anymore it's it is so dynamic and so diverse and absorbing all of the especially now with the the COVID stuff and it they're just busy and they're getting more and more busy and whatever we can do to help pull excuses out of the matrix for why people aren't taking care of themselves um is is well worth our time and especially with the on-site person we've, we've worked with enough agencies now and we've seen a lot of leaders that understand and appreciate the need for some full-time resource dedicated to this initiative but they don't necessarily know what that is, what it looks like, or how to get it. And I think we we can take a lot of the risk on mm-hmm. on our side for them from that. We can, you know, identify, interview, recruit, train, place, hire staff. It, we're just kind of taking that off their plate. If you're if you're a leader and you're like, I know my guys need this, but I don't have time, I don't have time to go to the bathroom during the day. Like, where am I gonna find time for that? We can that's our expertise, right? So we can we can take a lot of that on and, and have had I'd say really good results from, from taking that, um, taking that position and, and placing it with different agencies. It's one less thing that the department has to worry about. Sure. They could just go, it's handled. Yeah. Go to X is here. They're, they're on it. Be anything. Talk to Bryce. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, it's, you know, it's delegating. Yeah. And you've already, you've done all already done the work. Yeah. And the reality is, is we'll never like, like Bryce had said, we'll never actually solve it, right? Like it, it, the cancer is not gonna go away. You know, the cardiac events are not gonna go away. The suicides are not gonna go away. That's not the argument though, right? The argument is that you, you, fight, the, you, you fight the battle. Well we, well, we can look ourselves in the mirror every day and say is that, that's, that's what we're doing. And a lot, of, a lot of departments and a lot of uh, fire chiefs in particular, I think if they're happy about one thing is that they don't have to reinvent the wheel to your, to your point, right. They, you know, they, and whether we get it right off the bat the first time or we don't, 
it's like, okay, at least you have a group that's fully dedicated to the cause. Um, and, and we're going to find a way to win. Like we, we, we're, we're going to, um, and, and we want to, it's, it's important to everyone at, at, at O2X. I can tell you there's probably, you know, not a company I know that has more pride from working with, uh, tactical athletes in O2X. That's, 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 that's hundred percent of our focus. It's, it's not going to change. We have, we happen to have some work, um, and do business with, uh, you know, perfect some professional sport teams and, um, you know, other kind of high performing units, but, but that's not our, even, even when we, we even tell them that, you know, it's our, our focus is, uh, you know, helping those that are, that are serving a greater purpose. And, um, it's, it's, it's super rewarding. And it's, it's also a very, very, very underserved population. It, it, it really is. There, there is, there's an amount of, uh, I don't want to use the term, but I will like, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that you can, that you can attack at, at a department level, uh, you know, right away when you just see the data of, you know, the cancer rates or the suicides or the weight gain first year on the job, or, you know, there's so much stuff or the academy class, um, you know, academies, you, you, you wouldn't believe how many departments we talk to that you have someone going, they love running. Well, guess what the recruits are doing? They're running. You get someone in there that loves CrossFit. Guess what the recruits are doing? CrossFit. You get someone in there that wants to be a Olympic lifter. You know, you're gonna get so. But you know, you look at that from like a you know a practical perspective. You go, okay, who's doing the needs analysis on this thing, and um, you know who's doing it right? Why it, we have these people sitting here for 20 weeks or whatever it is, depending on the department, and why don't we put these people on a periodized plan that they can leave? Uh, you know well prepared for the job after in better shape some departments we we've talked to you know and you know, some of the people that do take it very serious and come on the job they're going out of the academy and they're leaving the academy in worse shape than they started with <laughs> um and then you have the other ones that are you know maybe doing the complete opposite and they're grabbing everyone and you know there's rabdo and all kinds of stuff so it's just kind of it, it could be a little bit more um i think a little bit more you know, specific and, and put together. And some departments, I don't want to say that across the board, some departments really are doing it uh, really well. We're down here in, in Fort Worth right now, like Bryce mentioned, and uh, this department's doing awesome. You know, they, they have so many good things out. They partner with a, a group called Frontline that's doing their full 1582s. And, and uh, this group of individuals are, you know, they're tier one, uh, giving everybody, you know, really personalized uh, attention, um, and, you know, and, you know, second to, to nothing that I've seen so far. And, um, you know, their, their academies, uh, run by, a you know, real motivated, um, guy that's, that, that's, that's got them on very spe specified plans. So it's not to say that there aren't groups that are doing it, uh, really well, but what I've noticed is oftentimes that that stems down, um, from a, from a top down approach and at, at Fort Worth, there's definitely some leadership there that is, uh, you know, investing in, in the people and really believes heavy in this. And then it's kind of sad, but that's not necessarily consistent from what we've seen. Isn't there a chief from Ohio? Yeah. 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 I, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. funny. Jim Davis is a great guy. He's awesome. Uh, he's the one that actually brought us in. We tried to, uh, we tried to, he was trying to pull us into uh, Columbus. That's where he, that's where he came from. And um and it's funny you brought that up. Yeah. And, uh, and he was trying for a few times and it was looked like it was going to happen. And then he applied for Fort Worth, uh, and got the job clearly. And, uh, 
and so we've been dealing primarily with Jim Davis, uh, the fire chief, and the assistant chief is a is a guy named Homer Robertson, and then their full sort of health and safety and academy side is really good too. So it's awesome to be down here and, and be with these folks. He's a good dude. He was uh, also on the the state. Um, he did the curriculum for our, for our firefighters, for our, our recruits, you know, level one, level two, and and in, in our state here. And I know I went up there and really preached about how we need to have more discussion about cancer and, and from the start, you know, train these rookies, these kids, let them know how significant of a threat this stuff is. And, yeah. and he was huge and, you know, getting that push through and, and actually adding that to the curriculum. Yeah. Well, you know what it is, is, you know, someone like Jim, what the benefit with him is he, he's, he, he, one, he's smart. Right. Um, and, and two, he doesn't have the mindset of like, it's right because this is the way we've always done it. Right. So he, I've had very open conversations with him about all kinds of initiatives that he's running in it. And, and honest, honestly, it's just about thinking outside the box. And, uh, and that was the re- reason why he brought us into, uh, to Fort Worth. And look, we just started with Fort Worth where, you, you know, we, we're putting them on, putting everyone on the, uh, on the app right now. Uh, you know, I'd love to try to get somebody on site here. That's something that they're, that they're exploring and um you know we'll be running a workshop in the in the spring forum and hopefully invite some other departments to participate in that and trying to kind of get it off uh, off the ground a little bit but um yeah him and uh homer and the whole group there has has been just really cool to, to work with um, nice. and you know what that i and i will i will say too just on that like credit isn't on on o2x honestly of like this initiative this is a great thing that like i said that we're passionate about and we love running a a human performance type you know type company but i could tell you with police departments and military units and fire departments as you know i mean look at what what you do with this podcast it's such an incestual group so almost 100 percent of our uh business has has just been referral based really you know, a, a fire chief goes, sees results, likes what they see, and they introduce us to another fire chief or police chief or, you know, our unit in the spec ops or DOD or, or fed space. So um, it's, it's, it's definitely important to, to bring that up. This isn't, we're not like some crazy special company that came up with some wazoo idea that these fire chiefs haven't been trying to attack themselves. They just, it's hard from resources and manning and everything else they have on their plate. What was, um, going back to when you first started, what was that learning curve like when you began to work in particular with fire departments? Because we have like, and you've named so many of them already, the, the cancer, the behavioral health, the sleep issues, the so on and so forth. I mean, now you, you may have had, I imagine some idea, but at the same time, like, oh, there's a lot more to this stuff than we thought. Uh, yeah. With that. I mean, Bryce knows nothing about being a firefighter, so I've been training him since he, uh, <laughs> since he came. You know, just, uh, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I didn't, I can't honestly say I knew anything about the fire service 10 years ago, other than just having buddies on the job, you know, okay, I get it. You do some shift work. I think there was a real natural fit for O2X in the fire service, just based on the tactical athlete cultural competence standpoint, right? It is at the end of the day, it is sort of a paramilitary group. Um, same thing with law enforcement or, or military units. So from like the cultural competence piece that I addressed earlier, that, that part was actually really easy. I think, 
you know, putting our subject matter experts and our um, kind of workshop leads and assistants and, and intermingling them with, uh, you know, with the with firefighters, I think that was like too easy. So I, I would say that we got our first contract, if you will. Boston Fire Department happened to be the first one. And it was that's, really- that's, Hold on. I think that's noteworthy. Like, oh, I, my first contract. <laughs> well, no, so I, 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 it, yeah, but you know what? To your point, Boston, I, we say this a lot. It, they described our first like sales pitch as the worst pitch they've ever heard in their life, <laughs> right? So, so there, as much as there was like, yes, it was kind of like, hey, we trust <laughs> you guys because you, you know, you come from these units and you're saying this is what these back ops units are doing. So if it's good enough to them and we're going to say it's not good enough to us, you know, why are we saying that when we have this massive problem? So they, they let us get our foot in the door. But to your point, I did not, I know I did not, I did not know. I mean, one of the first things in Boston they said was, oh, how are you going to prove results? And I said, well, that's easy. I'll look at your annual, um, you know, PT scores, you know, and they're like, uh, you know, we don't <laughs> have those. <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, well, you don't have, like, I just figured, oh, military has got, you know, annual PT test and we can see if people are improving. That was very specific on the PT side, but um, no, I, I, it took, it probably took a better part of a year, maybe even two years before I think internally at the, you know, on our end where we really started saying, oh my gosh, this isn't just a New England problem. This is a national problem. And it is very consistent and the re results are, are very alarming. And we started bucketing into some major categories once we started, you know, figuring it out. And it, it really does sum down to, you know, a few major categories. One is the cardiac, clearly, right? Uh, you know, members dying of uh, heart attacks left and right. Um, another one is just the orthopedic injuries on the job, right? So that's all the... You know, in my line, that's one of the more preventative ones, easily preventative ones, I should say. Um, so those are the breaks and the sprains and the tweaks and all that stuff that you you all see on a on a very regular basis. So that was the second one, and then the third and the fourth were um, the uh, cancer rates through the roof. Uh, you know, Boston at the time when we started making cancer videos with Boston years ago, and they were averaging a new cancer case every two to three weeks. Um, and so I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Um, and then the last one is the substance abuse and the suicides, right? So those four kind of categories we, we, we really narrowed in on um, from, all right, how do we stop guys from having heart attacks, dying of cancer, you know, getting hurt from sprains and breaks and, you know, how do we reduce these suicides? And, uh, and we really started attacking them. And we used to talk about conditioning, nutrition, sleep, stress, resilience, and, <laughs> and then we lost 80% of firefighters, no, no offense. And so we started saying, eat, sweat, thrive, eat, sweat, thrive, eat, sweat, thrive into our methodology and, and really bucketed in. So eat clearly attacks a couple of those, maybe even all of those. Um, you know, the sweat is, you know, the, you know the, the performance piece that could be the prehab, the rehab, the conditioning plans, all that. And then the thrive is, is really everything else. Call it a checkup from the neck up, if you will. It's how well are you sleeping? You know, um, how stressed are you? How resilient are you? Um, all, all that, you know, the suicidal type stuff is, you know, all that falls underneath the thrive piece. I'd say the customized piece from per department, you might be surprised. I think everybody originally brings us in for the nutrition and the sweat side of the house. Um, but the thrive piece has been maybe the most significant, uh, 
improvement and, and feedback that we get across the board. And when people do start customizing it, we're starting to see that of at least the in-person stuff, you know, the, the tactical performance app, I think, you know, most people are, a lot of people are going on there and they're doing breathing exercises and, uh, you know, maybe a visualization, visualization drill, or, you know, they're, 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 they're doing a workout, that type of thing. Um, but I could tell you from like a curriculum standpoint, it seems to be Bryce, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd almost say it's, if we were to average, probably, probably averaging about 50% thrive. And then maybe the other 25 and 25% being, uh, you know, on the sweat in the, in the, in the eat component, just because that thrive piece is, is so big and, and it really does flow. It, you know, you take stress or sleep and then you take shift work alone. You know, if, if, if members aren't sleeping, you know, on shift or off shift, and then you're, that's really going to get into the, okay, how stressed they are. And it's going to get into probably their testosterone levels and their energy levels. And are they working out and how well are they eating? Right. So it, you can't just focus on you. Yeah, exactly. You cascades down. It cascades down and you can't just focus on one of them and expect the other ones to improve. Right. So it's, it's definitely an equally weighted um, approach. And I think the, the, there's something to say about the effectiveness of the program um, based on the diversity of the curriculum. Because if you present, uh, we'll use the firefighter, right, with all of these different elements of a well-rounded performance program, odds are three quarters of them aren't going to stick, right? You've always got the guy in the back of the classroom that's sitting there with his arms crossed. It's like, I've been a fireman for 20 years. I've never worked out. My dad was a fireman. He never worked out. My grandfather was a fireman and he never worked out. So why should I work out? Okay, you may not win that guy in the sweat portion. He sleeps, right? Everybody sleeps. So if you can hit that individual with some impactful information around fatigue management and helping him understand why he feels terrible after working a 24-hour shift and how to recover properly, maybe that's where you get the buy-in. And that's where you start building momentum. Feels a little bit better because his sleeping habits have improved. Well, maybe he's willing to do a little PT with guys at the firehouse every once in a while or wants to take a look at some other elements of the program based on the success that he had in that one spot. So we got to get a little bit of buy-in where we can, and then almost trick people into, into buying into some of these other more touchy feely pieces that they might write off immediately, or some of the elements that they might not even consider at the outset um, as, as kind of like a cold pitch. There's another piece of the, the program that I, what I wanted to, to hit on too, is just one reason why I think it's so effective with the fire service. So we talked about the credibility, right, with the, the specialist network that we have and all of these well-credentialed and equally well-spoken folks that come in and present our curriculum. Well, with any of our training uh, courses, we also have a workshop lead that facilitates the training. They're kind of the MC of the whole event. So if we looked at a four-day workshop, you might have 12 specialists that fly in and out to teach different briefs, but you have this one center of gravity that's the workshop lead. Well, this person has, has a background more similar to, to Paul's, right, or, or mine in much smaller scale, but someone that's had a, a tactical experience or a practitioner. And their job is to anchor all of the elements of the curriculum in reality. So if you have, say, Dr. Allison Brager come in, she's a neuroscientist, she works with the Army, she's one of their top sleep researchers, she comes in and, and does the sleep presentation, well, you might have Jason there who was in the SEAL teams for 24 years and can help to connect the dots, right, for the people in the room. This is why what the doctor said matters. This is what I did in my career that didn't work. This is what I did in my career that did work. This is what I wish I'd done differently. 
And through that harmony of the science and the pra practitioner, we have a really effective message. And I think that that's what's required to reach um, to reach firefighters in particular, because as we alluded to earlier, we could be a tough crowd. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I know when I go out and teach, I feel pretty prepared usually because, uh, you know, if somebody's an asshole. Guess what? I'm usually the asshole when somebody comes to teach. <laughs> used to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, well, let me ask you this, guys. What's, you know, I don't know how far you want to go, but like, what's, what's up your sleeve? What's coming next? Cause I, I feel like you're just continuously evolving and you've already gone so far so quickly. Like there's gotta be just other things that's on your mind that you want to get to. Yeah. We're, we're trying to replace Bryce right now. We're, we're looking for, a, uh, <laughs> are you, are you interviewing? <laughs> We're cutting some dead weight. Well, I, some yeah, I can edit this whole thing out. We can <laughs> right now. Um, no, uh, so I'd say we're always adapting, right? We we really are. It, Bryce, it would be worth talking about some of the stuff we're doing on the on the tech side because I think that is pretty cool. Um, you know, on the on this on the readiness assessments and the uh, and the, and the mobile app and stuff. But I think for us right now is uh, you know Adam uses a term all the time at at, at O2X. Uh, you know. Probably too much. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, where he says he says it all the time. He says, uh, you know, test a little, learn a lot. Test a little, learn a lot. So I, I think that's what we're going to continue to do, right? So we're not afraid of new ideas and um, and and new pieces. What I can tell you won't change is the focus on the group that we're dealing with. That 100% won't change. The complete approach 100% won't change. Uh, we are not going to ever shift into a physical fitness company or a nutrition company or even a stress or sleep or resilience. That's I mean, that's not that is never going to change. Um, I could tell you that one of the big things we're looking at here is you know from an enterprise level of what's up our sleeve is. <clears throat> There's some very interesting things that we're exploring right now, really making this, this network interconnected that we have, right? And this space that I was telling you about, about placing members on site is new. Uh, we just started doing that within the last, you know, hasn't been much more than like a year and a half or so. And it's probably the biggest growing piece for us right now. So a huge effort for us is expanding this network of subject matter experts that are scattered throughout the country with a dedicated resource on, on site. And then finding a really, we're, we're, we're in the process of really uh, throwing fuel on the fire, pardon the pun, but we're throwing, throwing fuel on the fire with how do we connect that network? How do we really take these 250 people and make them all interconnected um, on a service that is interconnected with our mobile platforms and our people that are on site. That's probably the biggest initiative that we have right now. I can tell you that we just started pushing that full-time approach. Um, like I said, maybe two years ago, we have six to eight right now that are actively running at different um, departments. And we already have more than double that of ones that are in the process of, of, of staffing those out as we speak. So that's a major initiative for us. Um, and it's something that I think nobody else is doing um, 
or anybody else honestly even has the the background or the years of experience you know of dealing with a very specific um you know sector in a very specific way um so i i i think that's going to be you know pretty big um and connectivity and collaboration amongst those roles is really big for us so as we continue to put more people on site i think a big focus of our innovation in that realm will be to ensure that those positions are operating collaboratively. If you have someone at the Washington DC fire department and someone at a department on the West coast and someone at a department in new England, well, they, they should be working together, right? They're not on an Island, right? Yeah. So, so what are the best practices that are, that are having serious impact with one agency and how can we maybe adapt those a little bit, but put them in place in others. You don't just hire one O2X person that comes and works at your department on an Island. You it's a partnership, right? And that's just one, manifestation of that partnership is that role but that person's supported by other people in similar roles with similar experience but also as paul mentioned this network of over 200 other subject matter experts and you can bring all of those resources to bear so just ensuring that we're maximizing that effectiveness through connectivity and utilization of the virtual tools and always always adapting always using taking user feedback and we want we want firefighters are really good at breaking stuff like we want firefighters on our app and on our web portal and, and using our programs and breaking them. We want to know what doesn't work and we want to know why so that we can then make it more effective in the future. Like I've had tons of guys come up with, is it supposed to do this? And you're like, no, it's not supposed to do that. You have managed to break a New York hook for the third time this week. Great. <laughs> okay. So we know what they were not used for anymore. Um, but we, we want that same that same test a little learn a lot you know always always making everything better i think would be our mindset yeah the uh you know we it's funny the timing of this we on monday uh, two days ago we just released the tactical performance app to like the general public of anyone that wants to dial in it's a, it's a little bit different when you give it to a department because of some of the data and analyst and analytics and the um the connected piece to the uh to the ask an expert in the assessments but other than that the features are out there. So that that's going to be interesting. But over the last year, uh, Bryce actually was uh, the, the key person on this. Um, had about a beta of what, 100 firefighters somewhere mm -hmm. on there? Yeah. And police officers and military. So about 100 tactical athletes uh, using our that beta version of the app. Like, what are people using? Because, I mean, let's be honest. We're not trying to develop something um, and, and be, uh, you know, the next my fitness pal or uh you know peloton or the tech space that's that's not our that's not our game like and honestly like we don't we don't have the desire people people like that stuff go 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 get it go do it ours is more of a you know i, I would look at it more of like a platform that you if nothing else you know it's highly vetted stuff so if you're gonna do a strength and conditioning plan there you know it's gonna be like a legit strength and conditioning plan you want to talk to an expert you know it's going to be a, a legit expert and it's a you know, it's a piece that tacks onto a bunch of other stuff we're doing for a for department, but um, that would be something to, you know, I would encourage, you know, even your listeners to check it out. It, it would be, it, again, it, I wouldn't say that it is like the hundred percent representation of what O2X could do for a department, but I definitely think there's a lot of members that are jumping on this thing and, and loving and loving it pretty quick, just from like an individual level. Um, so that's worth, that is worth checking out. Key concept for O2X in all of our training is 1% better every day, right? Small incremental changes lead up to big results. And I think that the, the app is geared towards 
that mindset, right? It's just offers small behavior change improvements that if used regularly will add up to big results. Like we wanted to do, we want to do simple really well. And I, I think that that's, that's kind of where we are now. And I think that that's best for our population as well. No, that sounds perfect. So and let me just ask now while we're all on topic, they can, I imagine, find this in iOS and Android mm -hmm. app stores. Yeah, yeah. Search um, O2X or tactical performance on either of the app stores and it'll pop up and um, download it. It comes with uh, access to the web portal as well, which would be like a, a little bit of a more robust resource library and some more detailed analytics based on some of the assessments that users can take in the app. So for the monthly, you know, for the, for the downloading the app, you get access to both the, um, you get access to both the, uh, the, the mobile version and the desktop version. And we have a textbook as well, which is probably the best representation of our curriculum in yes. about 330 pages of Eat, Sweat, and Thrive. And I call it a textbook, but it's really written in a conversational tone, intended to be readable cover to cover. It's not a, it's not a text that you would pick up. And you, you could definitely use it as a textbook. And actually, um, some departments, Fort Worth included, are using it as part of their promotional processes, which is super exciting for us because it just from the top down is demonstrating the value that the leadership is placing on taking care of the firefighter, as well as taking care of the equipment and learning the tactics and learning the techniques, right? Those things are all equally, equally important. Like there's a expression that these guys use all the time, humans over hardware, right? So you can have the, the brand new fire trucks, you can have the best SCBA, you can have the fanciest new turnout gear, but if the dude inside the gear wearing the air pack or riding on the fire truck doesn't know his job or isn't physically fit to do it, well then, He's not, not really doing the public any service at that point. So um, anyway, the book is the book is our curriculum in about 300 pages written in a, in a way that's readable. It also spices in anecdotes from people that have worked in different tactical spots to kind of take that workshop lead role within the text that I mentioned earlier, where we help bring the science back to reality. Um, so that's available on Amazon and, and on our website as well. If, if anyone wants to check that out, it's... Uh, We've gotten really good feedback on the book. It's been about two years, I think, that the book's been out. Maybe a little over that. Yeah, um, it's good. It's it's we're <laughs> no shame in bragging about that one. That one that one turned out well, and it, it's super uh, it's super valuable information for for anyone in the tactical space. And Bryce, you also talked about you know just a minute ago you were talking about how you know it doesn't matter where you're at in this world, you know, being able to connect to everybody. And I imagine if there's one thing good about this pandemic is the fact that we're now kind of living like right now in a zoom world, like literally right now, you know, the three of us, but that connecting is just, you know, not in person is so much more easier. Now it's more available. I mean, even doing, you know, doctor's appointments and behavioral health stuff, the telechecks. I mean, it's, you know, that's already kind of whether you were ready or not, it, it kind of evolved that way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely thrust people into um, making do with, with the resources that they had available. We've done some virtual training and um, we'll continue to do that for departments where it's, and, and for our, our um, you know, users where it's most easily available, but we're also still, there's tremendous value in being in person. And, you know, first responders haven't stopped working through any of this and neither has O2X, you know, we're, we're out and ready, willing and able to do 
training with all the proper procedures and protocols of the department and the state, but um, we're doing we're doing in person as well still. We're one of the one of the few businesses I think that are still out there. But our clients are working, so why, why would we stop? It's it's been hard. I got my first one in a while coming up next month where I will be there live in person. And doing the virtual stuff, it's good, but it's also like I don't know if you feel the same way I do. Um, my training is almost at times like a stand-up comedian act like I have spots in there you know and if everybody's on mute and I don't get that that joke that I know should be there or that laugh it's it kind of throws me off yeah derails you yeah yeah I think I need that, that interaction I need yeah I, I think there's a reality I think it's awesome you know businesses and organizations finding a way to adapt and switch to virtual and but humans are supposed to be, you know, interconnected, right? Like, um, and, and, uh, and, and yeah, you, you just, you'll never have that same engagement, um, over a computer than, than you will, uh, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee with somebody or, uh, you know, seeing them in person or some type of, some type of training. So we're getting there. I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully good things come with the vaccine and everything. And I, you know, one thing that I've thought about, a lot since this is, it has, has happened is sometimes you feel like you're traveling around talking to different leaders and pushing this health and wellness thing so hard and to Bryce's line of humans over hardware and stuff. And you're, you're just saying it over and over. And then you, you see what sometimes isn't a priority for spending. And you're like, how, like, how do you have this many heart attacks or cancer cases or suicide, whatever. And, and yet there's, this is low on the, you know, on your budget, right? I, I just don't, I'll never understand that. It, 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 and I, w I do think that there is one positive outcome that I think COVID will do uh, in general, not just for tactical athletes. Is I think I may be a greater appreciation for uh, health and wellness and taking care of yourself and, um, and making that, making that a priority. I, I, I do think there's going to be a, a positive health and wellness spin on this and you can see it from a lot of the some of the some of the businesses in the space um i feel bad for a lot of those gyms and i don't know how many of the, any of those are going to recover but um maybe some of them never will um but i do think you know there, there there will be a greater appreciation for this um in years to come exactly i hope so too um let me start getting you out of here um <laughs> We're limited on time so i've got these 25 questions again i'm not going to ask you all of them um but i will ask you just they're kind of randomly set i don't care which one somebody throw out a number and i'll ask the question you guys can both answer yeah. it go off of it so i'll take them i'll take number seven number seven all right here's your choices oh, <laughs> It's not it, bad. It's not bad. It's not right. bad. You got to choose one: unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos for life. Oh man, those are like two of my favorite things. I know what you're gonna pick. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, I love sushi, but I gotta go taco. I gotta assume. You know, I know this is a health and wellness. I gotta assume the tacos have some type of margarita and maybe Modelo <laughs> uh, combination. I, I gotta go taco. I go. Yeah. Uh, go sushi. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of what kind of rolls are we talking? Um, Belly rolls, <laughs> <laughs> no, tummy sticks. What? Um, 
I like doing the, the chef special. I like all of it and I don't like to pick. So I'm a, I'm a big sushi fan. And really it's been hard to find a place that does sushi that's open recently. Yeah, those fish markets. The DC area a couple weeks ago and had sushi for the first time since February. So maybe I'm just craving it. I don't know. Sushi's my answer. Final right. answer. Are you pregnant? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bryce, Bryce, pick another one. Uh, pick a number. I'll let you uh, it. 22. All right. What's the favorite place for vacation? Situate? <laughs> the office um favorite place um my wife and i really like going to vermont the uh it's a short it's not too far of a drive from boston and it's really the whole state looks like a postcard see so if you if this if the screen would go down you can see bryce is actually wearing kivas right now <laughs> birkenstocks on yeah <laughs> smells like an art teacher's office in here um yeah, I would I would go with Vermont off the top of my head. Paul, what do you, what do you got? And I, hey, by the way, there's nothing wrong with Birkenstocks. <laughs> they're they're ergonomic. I've got them at home and I wear them. Is there is this, a, is this a winter summer uh, thing or is this just straight up that that I guess would make it too easy, right? Um. So we go to Mexico fairly frequently. Uh, not frequently, but I've been a half dozen times. I'd say at least. Uh, I love that, you know, that, or I love, I love the Caribbean, the Caribbean vibe. I'm trying to de debate between that and like straight up the mountains. Cause we like to ski too. Uh, I think I get both. both. I, I, so I have four kids and so both are just awesome. Right. Cause they, you know, the Caribbean, I've been swim up bar and hanging out with the family the whole time. Kids are loving it. And then we like to ski and, you know, we, we got a trip, uh, around the new year. We're going out to, to, to Colorado, uh, um and so uh so that those are my those would be my two either middle mid, middle of nowhere in the mountains or the caribbean that was right i think the question said pick your two, <laughs> two or three favorite places to vacation i also like europe on on <laughs> nice all right um let's do one more one more good one all right i'll take all number right. uh, 10 favorite comedian so right now Right now, I got to go with Bill Burr. Yeah, that he's very inappropriate, but right now, I, I think he's my, I think he's a. I've been a, I've been a fan Stand since the Chappelle after. show. Both, yeah, I mean. Both, yeah. I, I, I mean, I knew him originally from the Chappelle show. Yeah, he's the Canton guy, right from Mass. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's hysterical right now. Um, yeah, I got to go him for stand up. Uh, stand up, Pete Holmes. That's good. Yeah, Pete Holmes is my favorite. The Batman sketches he did for College Humor years ago was when I found him. If you've never seen those, do yourself a favor and spend an hour watching it. And then his HBO stuff has been hysterical. And that show he has, Crashing, is really good too. Yeah, Pete Holmes. Nice. I've got no arguments there. <laughs> we didn't good. Those are those are good. It's yeah. it's funny. It's it is like because that that question comes up a lot and it's it's funny to see uh, the answers I get with some of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people pick ten a lot. Interesting. <laughs> it's like a go-to number. Uh, Dunn Dunch. Bryce is, Bryce is my new favorite comedian. <laughs> he gets he gets extra pay for that, right? 
little extra something in your uh, paycheck for being <laughs> kind of funny anyway <laughs> anyway um how about, how about this guys tell me uh where where everybody can find a 2x you know just all the platforms you're on how to get a hold of you and uh and then we'll get you out of there and let you get back to yeah. Dallas, Fort Worth stuff. All home phone number. <laughs> uh, website's really easy. It's just what is hold on. What is your AIM account? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Paul's ICQ number is uh so website's really MySpace. easy. It's just, <laughs> just uh o2x.com, letter O, number two, letter X.com. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms. We're pretty active. Instagram account is at O2X Human Performance. Twitter's at O2XHP. Uh, we have, we're on LinkedIn as well. And then um, again, you can find the book on Amazon and our website as well. You can download the app on the Google Play or um, Apple Store. And um, yeah, all the contact information is listed on the website. It's really easy to get straight to, uh, straight to Paul or I if you have specific questions about this or tons of people on the team uh, to respond and, and help out. So thanks for having us. Perfect. Thanks for letting me have you. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. He's Paul. He's Bryce. I'm Jim. And we are out of the time. I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Take care. Bye.